0: Greetings from Asbury Park. This is Amy Quinn. I'm the deputy mayor in Asbury Park with my friend Joe Walsh. Hello. We we are going to be talking all things Asbury Park on Asbury Pod. Uh, Prior to us talking all things Asbury Park, I have to read this disclaimer so you all know that you can't sue us, and I make our city attorney, Fred Raffetto, less anxious. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park. In my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of esbury park they do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the esbury park city council as a whole i am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed however this is not and i repeat not an official city of esbury park podcast and does not represent the official position of the city of the governing body So what that means is any fucking thing I say at this podcast, you can't sue the city because it's not the city's podcast. So we're hoping to talk all things Asbury, right, Joe?
1: Right, so why would anybody listen to this?
0: Of course, nobody's gonna listen to this, which is why we're never gonna get sued. (laughs) So I'm gonna bore you a little bit with municipal events because I'm the deputy mayor and I feel like you should suffer through at least three or four minutes of hearing about municipal events. And then I'm gonna talk about some really cool, fun events that are going on and then we're going to talk all things asbury park pride with one of the founders of asbury park pride how does that work for you joe that's yeah, good let's go. okay so municipal events let's talk about that the city of asbury park just got a parklet put on cookman ave and where there's a parklet there's drama so businesses either want parklets or don't want parklets Um, They think they're the stupidest things on the planet, or they think they're amazing. So right now, the parklets on Cookman Ave, it's going to be moving in front of Jan, who is one of the people who thinks parklets are amazing.
1: For the people out there, who is Jan? Jan.
0: Jan is our sponsor at Words 623 Cookman Ave. Jan volunteers for space for us to put on this podcast. We want to say again thank you to Words in Asbury Park, our independent bookstore. Um, please check out Words if you're looking for books. And you can check out the parklet that will be in front of Words this week. The parklet's being moved because there's always drama with parklets. So a couple of other things I'm going to touch on. At our next city council meeting on June 12th, we are going to be having this second reading of the plastic bag ban in Asbury Park. We are going to hopefully pass it, meaning plastic bags are going to be banned in Asbury Park as of January 2020. You're going to have a fee on paper bags. If you are living at or near the poverty level, you do not have to pay that fee on paper bags. We're not certainly looking to punish anybody already marginalized. But everybody else, bring your cloth bags or be willing or forced to pay a fee on a paper bag starting January of 2020.
1: So I mean, the, the fee will be assessed at the checkout?
0: The fee will be assessed at the checkout, and we're also leaving it up to um, businesses to decide what that fee is. So the minimum of the, the fee on the paper bags is going to be $0.10. Cents. If you hear banging books being thrown and shelves falling over, just know that this is a family podcast. So my three-year-old is running around Word's bookstore throwing books. Knocking off.
1: He's unconcerned about podcasts. Yeah, clearly he doesn't
0: doesn't give a shit. (laughs) So June 12th, come out to the Asbury Park City Council meeting, 7 o'clock at one municipal plaza. Support us banning plastic bags. um, And then start getting on board with us banning styrofoam because I think that's going to be the next thing coming down the pike. Some other events that are going on in Asbury Park municipal-wise is the planning board meeting. So I think we all know the shit show of the North End. And that shit show of the North End is oh closer okay <laughs> the shit show of the north end is obviously most people know that we have no boardwalk and the pool club that Istar wants to do people feel really passionate about this pool club one way or the other and the planning board meeting is going to be hearing more testimony on june 24th they heard testimony this week and didn't get through the first witness after about four hours so if you're going to go to the planning board meeting bring yourself a snack Um, I think that's about all I'm going to bore you with municipally. So for those of you who weren't listening, you should start listening now because I have cool events that are going on in Asbury Park for all things Pride. This is the 28th Asbury Park Pride. And our neighbor here on Cookman Ave is Paranormal. They are doing Paranormal tours, where you're going to be going through the Berkeley and Convention Hall looking for ghosts. And you're going to be doing that with Adam and Ben Barry from Kindred Spirits and Ghost Hunters. The Pride Festival kicks off tomorrow at Municipal Plaza at 12 o'clock, goes down Cookman Ave, cross Grand, and then up Sunset. And that's where you're going to catch everybody doing really, really cool floats, dancing, drag queens. You know, When we came here, and Joe and I have lived here a long time, uh, when we came here back in the early 2000s, the Pride Parade, you blinked and missed it, Mm
1: -hmm. right?
0: There there were two floats, and and I'm not even sure. Maybe one and a half floats.
1: When was the first year
0: of Pride? 28 years ago, so back in the 90s, right? What's the math on that?
1: Uh, yeah, which is why I teach English.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows the math on that, but it was 28 <laughs> years ago. So we want to say kudos to the ladies who run the Jersey Pride. We're gonna we're gonna talk to one of the main ladies, Laura, who runs the Jersey Pride in just a little bit. Another event that's going on this weekend that we're excited about is the Keanu Dee's March. So Keanu Dee's um, was a young young little girl who was murdered, and after. I'm going to say twenty or thirty years later, they have finally arrested the person who killed her, and that's going to be at um, uh, Springwood Ave. Um, the march will will participants will meet in front of Dr. Martin Luther King Middle School at approximately two p.m. on Sunday, and proceed south on Prospect Ave. to Springwood Ave. and west to Springwood Park, where they will march, gathering, and will continue until about five o'clock. Um, really, really. Um, an event that I think a lot of people should try to get out to. Uh, the other upcoming events that I want to talk about is our Asbury Park Business Committee is hosting a free event for all Asbury Park businesses and their employees. So I have to tell you the spiciest committee in Asbury Park that I am a part of is the Arts Commission. The second spiciest committee I'm a part of is the Business Committee. Um, We got a lot of spice in that committee but we're doing an amazing event on June 18th at the Transportation Center from 5 to 9 for all business owners and their employees. We want to thank Asbury Park businesses for the amazing work that they do and since I'm talking about Asbury Park businesses I want to thank our sponsor Jan Sparrow at Words. 623 Cookman Ave for giving us the space today. Thank you so much, Jan. I think that covers most of the events.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Am well, I missing anything,
1: Joe? No, I mean, I think there's a lot going on this weekend. Uh, but I, I was thinking, you just mentioned the Arts Commission. I think it might be interesting to talk about the amazing installation on the boardwalk that has sort of you know captivated everyone walking through. Um. It
0: is an amazing installation. We should have Jen Hampton on the show and talk about it. So most of the amazing art that you see in Esbury Park is Jen Hampton and or the Esbury Park Art Commission. And the casino is that of Jen Hampton, who is the Wooden Walls Project. So all the murals that you see, she's part of that, and so is Angie um, of Madison Marquette. So the the installation in the casino is celebrating pride. It is literally um, the tiniest cloth hanging from the casino that does waves in, in the um, in the rainbow design. It's an amazing, if you are in Esbury Park and you don't stop by the casino to see this amazing art installation, you have missed um, probably one of the top 10 best events in Esbury Park that I've been a part of since the early 2000s.
1: It's been interesting to watch people just sort of be arrested in their progress. They're walking, 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 see it, and just stop. And you know, just watch it for a long time, because the, as the wind goes through the casino, it just flows like a seaweed, right? It's very... Uh, hypnotic it's been interesting to, uh, beautiful piece interesting effect on people
0: yeah no amazing she's she she does. She's got a, a vision and an eye for art probably like no one else so what's next so up next is going to be one of the founders of the Asbury Park Pride Parade she's going to come we're going to ask her some interesting questions we're going to spend a lot of time talking about assless chaps because I'll be honest I'm obsessed with them what do you think about assless chaps, Joe?
1: Well, it, uh, you know, I do have a pair because that's the de- there is their default configuration. Uh, I ride a motorcycle and the, the chaps in the wind. I wear them because uh, you get hit with rocks all the time in your knees and stuff. Uh, but they are assless and they look ridiculous. Ah, uh, oh, I love assless chaps. Yeah, I was going to wear them today in celebration, but uh, I wish you had. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Rita can't stand the sight of them when I wear them.
0: I wish every, I, I wish they were a requirement for Pride. <laughs> so when we come back, we're going to be here with Laura, and she's going to talk all things Pride with us, including assless chaps.
1: Azrae As Pod gratefully acknowledges the support of Words, Asray Park's only independent bookstore, offering new and gently used books for all readers. Words also hosts a range of literary and social events for adults and children. Located on 623 Cookman Avenue, Words is open every day, save Tuesday from noon to 5. Stop by and say hello.
0: We're back with Laura Popel, June 1st, 2019. Tomorrow is going to be the 28th Pride in Asbury Park. Uh, I do need to make a clarification because people at City Hall are very fearful that this podcast is going to get the city sued. So let me be clear on this clarification. When I said there's no boardwalk on the north end, I was incorrect. There is no boardwalk north of 6th Ave. Just to be clear, there will be a boardwalk in 2020, but as of right now, there is no boardwalk north of 6th Ave.
1: But people can still access the beach.
0: Yes. And you can buy your tickets and there's a path. And and we did the best that we could do under those circumstances for the debacle of the North End. But back to all things pride, because we are celebrating the 28th year with one of the founders. So, Laura, I picked up Tri-City News, our little local rag, and read it. And Dan Jacobson kind of talks about his political career and, and the end of his political career. And at the end of his political career, one of the things he's the most proud of and which he claims is kind of the kickoff to this event or the organization of this event was a non-discrimination bill that that he and the Democrats passed in the late 90s early 90s early 90s okay we're all dating ourselves here so tell us a little bit about that
2: sure so um, in the early 90s there was an effort that at that time was already several years underway to amend the law against discrimination in New Jersey to include sexual orientation. Now ultimately, and I'll put this footnote in, ultimately we have also amended that law to include gender identification, but at the time um, there were only four states in the country where the law against discrimination had been amended to include anything um, related to our community. And there was a um, coalition of progressive organizations in the state, including um, the ACLU, now New Jersey, and led by the New Jersey Lesbian and Gay Coalition itself, a coalition of LGBT groups that was uh, working with legislators to push forth this amended law. And uh, ultimately, in 1991, under Governor Florio, the bill that was labeled A634, which meant it was coming out of the assembly first, looked like we had a shot at getting it through, and if it did, the governor had indicated that he would be willing to sign it. so the very concentrated effort um, that spanned m- most of the fall of nineteen ninety one so um, during that time, the community organized in in a way kind of unlike any other, and one of the things we did is we worked with Um, local towns to get people excited about the idea of um, such such legislation and documenting the need for it. So at the end of Uh, the legislative session it looked like we were going to have the votes in both the Assembly and the Senate for the Senate companion bill and it it was a really exciting it was an amazingly exciting time I was president of the coalition at the time and so was involved with um, a lot of the lobbying of legislators we put together a binder of um, supportive documentation and clarifications about clarifications about what the law actually did and in uh, January of 1992, the bill actually passed. Wow! The bill passed in the last seconds, as the gavel was going down, they, they got it through um, both the assembly and the Senate, the governor signed it, and there we had it. We were the fifth state in the country. And so we had a very organized and very energized community who needed something to do. So at the time, we're looking for, okay, how can we harness this energy? Simultaneously, as we start thinking about pride, Everyone's going across the rivers to Philadelphia and to New York and to those prides, which were already established. New York, very long established. And yet they're going to states where they don't have this kind of progressive legislation that we just passed. And we thought, no, this is not going to be. We're going to put pride in New Jersey because we should have pride in New Jersey. What and I in, love that you
0: picked Desbury Park.
2: Well, it was, it was not a foregone conclusion. We had a very set criteria that we were looking for when we said, OK, where are we going to Places where
0: you can buy um, like, drugs
2: and get land really cheap and tons of crime. Well, no, those would have been some criteria <laughs> somebody would use. Those were not what we were looking at. Okay, um, We were looking at, we wanted something that was quintessentially New Jersey. So, you know, if we're doing a statewide event, and that was what we were committed to, it wasn't going to be a city event. Philly Pride is Philly, not Pittsburgh, and they're very clear about that. Um, likewise, New York Pride, now the, the boroughs have... Now the boroughs have uh, many different prides, but um, we didn't want this to be a city pride. This was gonna be a statewide pride, which meant we wanted it to be somewhere people could get to from all over the state. So it needed to be more or less centrally located. Atlantic City had a um, LGBT community, but it, very hard to get to for most people. Um, so we wanted something centrally located. We wanted something that was quintessentially New Jersey, and we wanted something that had a community that was going to be supportive. We'd been working with the bar community in uh, Asbury Park on the logins discrimination discrimination um, to document instances of discrimination among their patrons, um, not by the bar, but by sort of what they had experienced. And we knew that the town itself had a government that was willing to work with us. So for all of those reasons, we said, okay, um, the first time, this is where we think we're going to do it. And we sent, actually, our co-chair came down and hung his head out the window with an old-time video camera to kind of track how was this gonna go, what would it look like. And what and year was this? This was ninety two.
0: Ninety two. Okay. Wow. I was in yes, high school in ninety two.
2: We turned our attention from passed the bill, got it signed in January of ninety two and said, Okay, can we do this for uh for June of this year? And we wanted to be we wanna usher in um, the month of Pride. So he said, we'll put it the first weekend. We knew that Philly was already the second weekend, third weekend was Father's Day, and the last weekend was traditionally New York's. So he said, we'll take, we'll take the first weekend, it's open, and we want to be leading the way in that first weekend. Wow,
0: 1992, happy Pride. Yep. Um, I'm obsessed with assless chaps, Laura. So can we talk about how that looks over the years from the 1990s through the 2000s to present day? Because I'm seeing a lot less chaps um, so I think it uh, what
2: I, how I'd like to talk about that um, particular topic <laughs> is in the context of what our um, what our event is the population who attends our event mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and and where that may play in so our event has been this was another decision we made early on it was going to be an event that, that represented the broad state community LGBTQ community and our allies and so one of the things we recognized those was that we don't have a real big urban center and it rather it's a very suburban state with many families and families who would be looking for a pride event so we made a decision that our stage would be a PG stage you know that people would be comfortable bringing their kids in and listening to what was being said on the stage um, or the music that was being played we would have a family committed to a family zone from the very first year so that there would be something for kids to do to come in we have a very pet friendly event because we recognize that pets are an important part of most families and certainly for those in the LGBTQ community. Um, and the, uh, the event itself reflects that commitment. Uh, I laugh because early um, in terms of generating interest for, um, for for this event, we went to a Melissa Etheridge concert at the Garden State Arts Center, which was at that time the Garden State Arts Center.
0: Every lesbian has gone to at least one Melissa Etheridge cons- concert in their lives, and it was a life-changing experience for them. Every lesbian has also gone to an Indigo Girls concert.
2: And we also went to an Indigo Girls concert, and when we did, <laughs> of course we, we flired the devil out of those concerts and so everybody who was there was getting a flyer about the what it was probably the third year that we uh... that we did it and so we end up with a disproportionate number perhaps of people who were informed then that they, through those concerts, which were concerts that generally had more lesbians right. um, than they would have had gay men. So we got a nice balance where often you go to a Pride event and there will be lots of men who are coming in for, um, gay men who are coming in for the uh, to the bars and then come to the Pride event as well. Ours is a very, <laughs> it's well balanced. We have a good demographic um, diversity and as a consequence, um, you know, there will be people who are in assless chaps, but it, is, it has never been a particularly um, significant element. But it is also one that certainly uh, has been present both in our parade and at the event itself.
0: I would like to go on record. I'd like to see more assless chaps at the event. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's OK. Interesting tidbit about an Indigo Girls song, Joe. Oh,
1: You want, you want me to bring that up in front of an, uh, a national yeah, audience yeah, just... here? We were talking. Earlier, before he came out about you know uh, the Indigo Girls, I just mentioned that I I lost my virginity to uh, an Indigo Girls uh, song. That's how I first heard them. My <laughs> the girlfriend at the time had a tape. That's what she was playing. So secure yourself to heaven. Uh, I you know. Have fond memories of that particular song.
0: To this day, I still run to "Closer to Fine" and "Galileo." And I, one of our neighbors here, Kathy at Paranormal, um, had one of the Indigo Girls at her birthday party, which was um, really? really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I, a super. I've seen super them live cool several
1: times. They're really just wonderful. I Physicians used to
0: think. follow them around.
1: We have been at the same concerts because I saw them, and I also saw Melissa Etheridge at the Garden State Arts Center. I think she opened for Little Feet one year. It's the first time I'd seen her. She was
0: wonderful. Yeah, yeah, no, she was. She, both of them are were life changers for me. Talking about performers, Laura. So I one year, and you probably remember the year more than I did. You had so Sophie B Hawkins, who I had a huge crush on. Um, her big song was what was her big song? I forget, but she had a big song. Um, so Be my lover. say it again. Be my lover. Yes. Okay. So which had a lesbian element to it, right? <laughs> And I, th- I feel like she's had relationships with women. I don't know. Anyway, it is what it is. So I get my nerve up to go up to her and have her like sign a CD at the event or whatever it was. Um, and Heather's with me. And I get up there and I go completely uh, starstruck and aren't able to say anything um, and just stand there like an idiot with her CD in my hand. And then I just walked away. So
1: you did get it signed?
0: I did not get it signed. What year was that? Do you remember her year? Well,
2: it would have been a year that um, the governor, it would have been a year the governor would have been Governor McGreevy because he too was starstruck um, by Sophie B. B. Hawkins. Hawkins. How
0: didn't we know he was gay then?
2: (laughs) Um, And we actually had her for two years because the first year we had her was a a weather event. And so we did not, it, it just, we felt that she warranted um, getting really a good full show. And so we had her the following year or maybe the year after. So she, I believe she was on our stage for two years.
0: Yeah, she was great. Um, so I'm going to ask you questions about divas. And who has been the easiest and loveliest person to deal with? Who has been not the easiest and loveliest person to deal with?
2: Um, Susan Suzanne Westenhofer um,
0: is uh, not easy My, no she's super phenomenal. easy okay good good thank she, god because I go see her and if you told me she wasn't a no nope, like, she oh.
2: is she is phenomenal she was our very first MC and so the first year this was 92 and so we're brandy spanking new to all of this right and then and, and one of our co-chairs had seen her at the duplex um during you know March or April of that year and said oh this is this is our MC um so the event in 1992 and 1993 was on Saturday. Um, we shifted it in um, response to requests from the retail community and from um, the uh, uh, Jewish community to move it from Saturday to Sunday, which we did. And thereafter, it's been on Sunday, but Saturday, um, 92 and 93, it was on Saturday. And it was a parade, rally, festival, and concert, what we call the perfect day, parade, rally, festival, and concert. And um, Suzanne offer was not only emceeing the Rally for um, the day, but she was also I'm seeing the concert that the concert that we had that night And so her day was probably an 18-hour day and she was doing it effectively pro bono and was charming and Gave us um, sort of tips. She too was um, and she's was very funny new. as hell. And she was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, funny. she is funny. And so we have had her back for significant anniversaries every time because she's just she's sort of and she's from New Jersey at the time. She was from North Jersey and she has since moved. But so we she identifies with us. We identify with her and she's she's been great. Okay, so she's at the top top of my list. Okay, of-
0: and we love her. We love her. Go see her when she comes to Esbury Park or any of the surrounding areas. Who's been the biggest bitch?
2: Um,
1: we can know, edit this out later, if you. <laughs> so,
2: um, you know, I have uh, my my disappointments with um, with performers. There there are um, two frustrating experiences um, from the early years. The first um, uh, in I believe it was ninety three, so it was the second year that we had a long day, and Leah Delaria was our uh, MC for that year and we were uh, had the concert at the um, at the Paramount and we had not yet um, we did not yet have a really good mechanism for bringing in um, any kind of donated dollars to cover the costs. and the Paramount was an expensive um, venue to be holding a concert in for us Uh, we did not have we did not have any corporate sponsor support we were doing all of our um, fundraising was grassroots fundraising and so we had had to set concert the ticket prices were competitive with regular concert ticket prices which made they were not free or ten dollars they were you know they weren't outrageous they were competitive but um, and uh, she badmouthed us from the stage at the concert, pointing to um, oh, that's the prize. so I, I was disappointed to have a um, performer who was uh, trashing us. So and that that was a uh, that you was were
0: not the first person to say something about Leah Delario to me. Uh, you you were not the first.
2: So and um, although I understand why this happened, uh, um, it, it will still be my um, uh, the point. The, the name that comes to mind is Toshi Regan. Um, I don't even know who that is. So she was the sister of Bernice Regan, who was with um, uh, another much more popular band, whose name I'm blanking on. Um, she, she was a fine performer in her own right, uh, 1993, I want to say 93, maybe 94. Uh, we had bad weather um, and uh, and she announced she was on when um, the weather turned and she announced from the stage that not that we were taking a break or you know turning the stage over or saying she would be back or anything else but she announced that the rally was closed and she effectively shut down our rally and um, it, it was uh, you know there was a temporary I think we would have handled it differently and um, so we have since put in place mechanisms so that you know, the performer, if they feel that there's a concern about the weather, they can, they can get themselves off the stage, but they're not allowed to shut down our rally.
0: Right. And which brings up every year, Laura Rain. Why does God hate the gays?
2: Um, so I, one of the decisions we made that I alluded to is um, to usher in um, Pride Month by putting our event on the first weekend in June. Uh, first weekend of June is still actually in spring it's not right. in the summer and so over that weekend we have had um, weather challenges almost every year every and
0: year I've been there and I've been there since the, since 2000 so
2: some of those weather challenges um, ha, have actually marked um,
0: do you think the weather challenges running. are preventing people from wearing assless chaps
2: Um well, our temperatures tend to be colder since I'm not sure whether that would affect somebody's interest in wearing Ashless Chats, but perhaps.
1: I think, however. For the aficionado, I don't think the weather is a factor.
2: Well, the first year, um, we had, it was a different kind of weather challenge. We woke up that morning, 5, 6 a.m. in the morning, and it is complete, the Asbury Park is completely covered in fog. You mm. cannot see your hand in front of you. We're like we have to put an event on. Who's going to come? Like you can't even see. How are they going to get here? Um, and uh, and so we are busy for the whole morning. Uh, we're for the whole morning as we're setting up the um, the setting up the staging area for the parade, setting up the festival, and everything is very small at that point. Although at the time it felt very big, and you know, it was everything we were doing was new and a big deal. And the finally the parade steps off, and um, Karen Sobolsky, my uh, co coordinator, all of these years, um, and I are standing. In front of Convention Hall on the boardwalk. At that time, the parade walked along the boardwalk, and so it would come up on the boardwalk down by the carousel, and then proceed north, and then um, spill into the festival in Bradley Park, just Bradley Park. And there, you can't you can't see anything about more than about five feet, ten feet down the boardwalk. And all of a sudden, out of the mist comes this big, giant Macy's um, Day Parade like. Pink triangle that is leading the parade. Mm. It's one of those moments you have that you know, forever, like when I'm in the galley watch, gallery watching A634 pass, it's the same moment that I, you know, you know life is changing, and I got to watch it. and it came out of the mist, and that mist was a, was a negative weather um, event. So
0: yeah, it that is sounds what it like is. an amazing experience. And what are we thinking about the weather for tomorrow? It's shaky, right?
2: Well, the weather for tomorrow um, is. Uh, there, it has been pretty consistent that there will be um, PM uh, scattered thunderstorms in the afternoon or early evening. So we know that the parade steps off. Uh, staging for the parade is done in the morning. Parade steps off at noon, and um, we should be able. It looks like the parade will. Uh, we'll be able to get the parade in. It takes uh, about three or four years ago. We ha- we hit the milestone of cutting. Asbury Park in half when the parade is underway because it's still in the municipal um, we find there right. are still people lined up waiting to step off and the parade is has arrived at the festival grounds that was oh, a milestone wow. for us yeah
0: definitely. well in the early 2000s I make the joke all the time you blinked and missed the parade right, right?
2: it was tiny and cute it is now it is now a substantive parade um, so much so we've had to move some of the staging to accommodate um, the number of vehicles and floats that are going to be there and this year this year's numbers of pre-parade registrants are 20% higher than last year's numbers. Oh, that's so, amazing. Right, so we know that it's growing. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, but, but we anticipate that the parade will get into start getting into the park by one o'clock and um you know every indication is that we will be able to have the festival go through much of the afternoon and it's scattered thunderstorms so that doesn't mean that we get them it means they're in the area
0: right and you don't generally completely shut down sometimes we wait for it to pass i feel like and then we get back in the game yes
2: ever since the uh the 1993 toshi regan incident we uh we wait yeah, to shut everything to, to, down. To assess
0: your situation. I get that. So one thing that, and this isn't, I'm going to ask you about the craziest things you've seen at Pride. Every Pride, I drink too much, I go to the Wonder Bar, and I drop my phone in the toilet. Literally, for the last three Prides, I have dropped my phone in the toilet at the Wonder Bar. I, I would not take your phone to the Wonder Bar anymore. <laughs> I not take my phone to the Wonder Bar. I know, and every time, my wife is like, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, OK, craziest things you've seen at Pride.
2: Um, there was a as i said earlier we are a pet friendly event and you will have pets participating in the parade pets in tutus somebody was wearing their cat as a boa last year um and so we really we encourage you we have watering holes for those animals uh (laughs) several years ago we came upon a um, there was a tent that was set up, a small pop-up tent that was set up. So people will bring canopies. If you don't stake in, you can bring canopies or things to protect yourself from um, you know, we hope the sun, but um, sprinkles if you get them uh, in our rally grounds. And people do come, they sit for the day to um, be in our rally. So we came across what was a pop-up tent and you, you look inside and, and it's not even a pot belly pig, it's a full-size pig that is in this tent. For what purpose? It's their pet.
0: Oh, that's hysterical!
2: So, big a big pig, <laughs> and it's there. So that is probably that is at the very top of my list of the craziest things I've seen. Is somebody brought their pig? Um size pig.
0: Question that you always get about pride that igno- that irritates you.
2: Why don't you have Melissa Etheridge on your stage? <laughs> of course, of course, you get that. We, um, I, I mean, there are there are. I'm hobbies. assuming
0: Melissa Etheridge costs like a hundred thousand dollars to get on the stage.
2: Um, if she costs only a hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> we might try to fundraise for that. She, there are there are performers who um, who we know are very gay supportive, um, have been or uh, LGBTQ supportive, have been involved in. Um, uh, pride and i'm air quoting pride there events but not like our kind of event but they've had special concerts that have been associated with pride they are um and and like melissa and but the costs for those are so outrageous that we've just we've we simply it's outside what we could possibly budget for
0: i gotcha so 28th jersey pride your coming out story good or bad
2: do you Uh, want to tell it um, so I would say that um, coming out is a is an ongoing process. Totally, I tell and that to
0: people all that. Anytime you start a new job, you meet new people, you have to do it every single, single time. time. So I, I would say it's it's not
2: that it's good, bad, or otherwise. It's it it is just endless and not endless in a bad way. And it really one of the things that the campaign for uh, to pass a six thirty four. Demonstrated It was, it, we had... Um, and 634
0: uh, was the bill from the, the 1990s. The non-discrimination,
2: yeah, the non-discrimination law. One of the things it showed was that we got all sorts of great data that showed that if people knew somebody who was LGBTQ, they were more likely to support the bill in the legislature. They were more likely to, to be constituents who would contact their legislators and support the bill. They were more likely to be receptive to, um, you know, any kind of um, legislation or community... Activity, so for people to know somebody, the person to be known has to be known, and so the importance of coming out, even when it's uncomfortable, um, recognizing that there are support networks for people who, uh, you know, I can say that, but then the reality is that some people come out and they really do suffer some negative consequences with among friends, among family, at the workplace, or otherwise, and so making sure that um, as a community we're always building the support structure so that when people take that step which can be a scary step which can be um, life-changing more often for good than not I think but still that they have support I think it's really important
0: I totally agree so talk (coughs) to us about the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots what does that mean to you how are you how are we celebrating that tomorrow on the 28th annual Jersey Pride Um, so
2: the first thing I'd say about uh, Stonewall is it's only been for the past 50 years that people have been, um, that that this movement has has been so well-defined. I mean, it is not that people were not um, living as gay men, um, lesbians, um, drag queens, transgender people um, prior to Stonewall, but as a movement, it really began to coalesce after those riots. And um, the uh, Pride specifically started, You know, that's the origins of most of the Pride events that happen or celebrations that happen around the country. So, and, and it's interesting because really, when you think about the, the riots, Stonewall was a rebellion. It was, it, you know, we said, no more and so while pride certainly has a celebratory nature to it these days and it's important that it has that because it's about building community it's about people feeling safe it's about um, creating the that atmosphere that people want to engage and want to um, participate it also remains very important as a um, as a statement that no more that you know we, we are not going to tolerate discrimination we are not going to tolerate Um, the ban of transgender um, troops. We are not going to tolerate the hate crimes that are out there. And we are a presence. We being the LGBTQ community as well as um, the allies who are supportive of us as we are supportive of other causes that are important to our allies. Is
0: there any chance I'm going to get you an assless chaps tomorrow? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we end every show with thoughts on the 2020 election. For president uh, I am and by every show this is our first show yes. <laughs> for the record uh,
1: I,
2: I think thought my thought on the 2020 election is absolutely everybody who's listening everybody who um, has people they know who aren't listening but can they can talk to absolutely everybody has to be engaged in the 2020 election there it is too important for anyone to stay home and it is too important um, among my friends, I cannot say that everybody um, is has the same um, ideals that I do. And so for me to expect that I would I would agree with absolutely everything that any of the um, candidates who are running would would say for me to expect them to agree with me on every point, they aren't me, they're not going to have the same coming from the same experience. and I think we, um, often, especially as progressive um, voters, we are looking for a candidate who um, we can say, "Aha! They agree with me on every point." It doesn't happen. Um, right. It Just it can't happen. It's a physical, social impossibility. And so we need to be able to uh, rally behind a candidate who is going to stop the uh, stop the hate, stop the um, the really the uh, just the destruction of that of the. Um, well, the progress that we've made, but also, you know, you can't ignore the you can't ignore climate change. You can't ignore the um, the attacks on women um, that are happening in our um, uh, at the national level. And so, we need to get behind whomever the candidate is.
0: And this year, we have a gay candidate who may or may not have ever worn assless chaps. Just bringing it back to assholes, chaps. Sure. Um, but first time we've ever had an openly gay candidate. That's pretty exciting. Oh, it's it's it's
2: a sea change. Totally. Um, because we can we now now those kids for whom um, Stonewall 100 is a possibility in right. their lives, um, they are going to ha- be growing up in a time when. A openly gay candidate for president is being um, accepted and t- and simply talked about as a candidate. He is a candidate. He is a candidate who has these beliefs. He has a candidate who speaks Norwegian and this cute story about how he um, why he learned Norwegian. He's a candidate who's a Rhodes Scholar. He's a candidate who served in Afghanistan. He's a candidate who's gay and has a husband who teaches school. He's a candidate like that, and that's amazing. That's oh, an amazing. I totally change.
1: agree. But I think the most interesting thing in terms of progress is that. Um, Pete's uh, sexuality is the most boring part, you know, least interesting part about him, right? And that's probably what th- that success, right? That this is totally boring, mm-hmm. right? Speaks Norwegian, that's has ev- A road scholar, that's also right? So that's I think um, the trajectory is 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 pretty interesting to see, just in the span of our lifetimes. I like, guess so. Um,
0: I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So we are signing off, but everybody come out tomorrow, June 2nd, for the 28th annual Jersey Pride. The parade kicks off around 12 o'clock at Municipal Lot here in Asbury Park. I want to thank our sponsor, Words, the only independent bookstore in Asbury Park, at 623 Cookman Ave. If you want to read a good book, if you want to talk to an amazing pioneer of Asbury Park, stop by Words and show Jan some love and support. And I want to thank our guest, Laura. Thank you so much for coming out today. You're welcome. You have anything, Joe? Uh,
1: No, I think... uh... You, know, you want to introduce our next guest for our next episode?
0: Our next guest preview? is probably going to be Mike Manzella, the transportation planner, talking all things transportation. But since it's Pride Month, I'm wondering if I should get another Pride person in for the month of June. So sure. Manzella's is probably going to be here, and we might add another element, depending on how that rolls.
1: Well, yeah, I mean. It'll I
0: mean, be all things transportation next week. This is our first episode,
1: episode with unscripted, unplanned, so who knows what will happen next week. Or two weeks.
0: Am I going to see you in assless Chaps tomorrow, Joe? I can
1: wear them anytime, but I won't, I won't be around. We have a two year old birthday party.
0: Okay. School, so, so I'm not again, those again, I'm going to be disappointed mm-hmm. in the number of assless Chaps tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: And like I said, assless Chaps are kind of boring outside of that. You know, I ride a motorcycle, so I have, have a pair. And, uh, I could bring them around.
0: Okay. Anytime, so. If you could do that, that'd be great. Okay,
1: cool. great. Right. Um, Well, Amy, you want to sign off?
0: Signing off. Our next episode tapes in two weeks, so stay tuned. We're going to be doing the two episodes a month through the entire summer. And if we get more than three listeners, we'll keep going. If we stay at three listeners, we'll probably stop. Okay, great.